It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Welcome back. This is the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, and joining me is the host of the new show titled The NCAA XC Show. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Gordon Mack. Got to correct you there. It's the NCAA Cross Country Show. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Should we redo that again? We can do it again. We should redo and it. joining me now from his house in Austin, Texas, the host of the NCAA cross-country show, which is garnering all sorts of acclaim from critics. It's Gordon Mack. Yeah, check it out. Do it once a week on Tuesdays, and I'll break down the rankings, upcoming races, who I think is doing well, not well, etc. cetera, um, all from the comfort of my Gordon Mack studio. But yeah, it was fun. I got a little uh, debate at the end of the at the end of the episode, I kind of contemplate who would win in a fight, uh, mm-hmm. an actual wolf versus an actual cougar, because you know BYU Cougars for the NC State Wolf Pack. I looked mm-hmm. it up; I couldn't really get much information out of it, uh, but you know, <laughs> I was trying, trying to figure out who do you think would win in a fight, a wolf or a, a cougar, or I a wolf like, uh... pack and a bunch of cougars, so I... they get to work in teams. I feel like. Cougars are like have stronger base, don't they? Wolves, like there's a there's a wider range of body type with wolves. I feel like cougars. I feel like are all they're like middle linebackers, man. Yeah, they're middle linebackers, but like the the wolves are probably a bunch of like cornerbacks, so they got the speed. Okay, yeah, the speed, right? And they have the agility, right? And they probably got Mm -hmm. sharper like teeth, so like. They, they're, you know. Do they have sharper teeth? Or are you just speculating that they have sharper teeth? Maybe what did you your research like a tell you? When they go, and they show their teeth, those look scary. They're like pointy. I don't well, know. I mean, I, I think cougars are doing some damage as well, too. This is good. This what is good this? information that you cover on the deadliest animals. Across the country. We got deadliest yeah. animals here up on the screen. This is an interesting. Did you well, know mosquitoes kill? 700 kill a million people a year yeah i guess that makes sense look at number six assassin bugs this is intense kill ten thousand people that'll be a great name great name for a a school like athletic department like the The cleveland assassin bug cleveland state assassin bugs or something like that but do you want to be associated with a thing that causes that much death i don't know so the not listed on there was uh, wolves or cougars not listed on there so yeah maybe not that deadly listen i'm not calling out the wolf community do not email me do not tell me that i'm i'm mocking them i don't want any uh blowback here crocodiles clocking it at a thousand Dude, look at number seven freshwater snails kill ten thousand people a year snails mm. yeah what do we... probably some sort how of, do uh, snails kill people probably some sort of virus that uh 
Well, look, look, look at the notes there. There you go. D, look at the notes. Zoom in on the notes. Our fresh snails do not kill humans directly. They're a vector that transmit a variety of tropical diseases. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, they're not actually like biting you and having you bleed to death. It's the, the transmission of disease. In any event, you can do uh, dive into all this and more on Gordon's show, the NCAA cross-country <laughs> show, which is on Tuesday. I saw the first episode. It was good. It was good. A lot of info in there. You jam pack it with everything people need to know. If you haven't been following cross country on the on the college type, but want to get caught up, it's a good way to to get your feet wet. If you want to do a deep dive, uh, Gordon, you do a good job bringing people up to speed and and going in into depth about the races that and the athletes and teams that people need to to follow. So, I give it a highly recommend. Okay, I thought I was gonna get like a B minus, but you know, highly recommend. Is a better grade. I didn't do it. I didn't do a letter grade. I didn't want to go that specific yet. By week three, I will be giving it a letter grade. So now I just wanted to okay. go highly recommend, re- recommend, do not recommend, and just stay away. Like de- stay delete, away. delete it off of delete YouTube. Basically, would have been the last step. And I'm not. I'm not. Delete YouTube. Can you do that? Just del- you delete just, YouTube. If you have the app, if you have the app, delete the app. Basically, just so Got it does. It. Just log out so that algorithm does not send you any Gordon videos. Is basically what I'm saying. Uh, on today's show, uh, we are going to talk about some some marathon news. We have a, a retirement to talk about. We'll preview the Berlin Marathon, which is this Sunday. Shalane Flanagan has a big goal this fall to run a whole bunch of marathons. We'll discuss that. We'll touch on the Usain Bolt, Shakari Richardson story that we didn't talk about last time. And we will finally read that email about field events that I said we're going to read last week. Well, let's start here with the retirement of a legend, Gordon Mary Katani of Kenya announced her retirement, four-time New York City Marathon champion, three-time London champion, has a PB of 217.01, the world record fastest time ever in a women's only marathon race, has announced her retirement at the age of 39, cited health issues in her back, wasn't able to get back to 100%, so her career ends with her last race taking place in in 2019 when she was still still very competitive still one of the best women in the world and she has uh she's now decided to call it a career yeah uh i just you know there's a lot of major marathons that are kind of synonymous with her right you think of new york you think of mary katani uh, you think of london you think of her right you think of all these different uh moments in the sport of running for on the women's side of things, Mary Katani has been one of those kind of stalwarts in that category. 217 in London is no joke. Um, and winning seven times in two majors. So that's it's incredible. It's, it's hard to win a major, let alone doing it seven times in a career. You know, a lot, a lot of times you only have maybe probably two shots every year mm-hmm. to win. And so to get it done seven times, like, it's it's hard to collect these these titles. So for her to have seven is definitely an impressive feat. And uh she has that world record for the women's only race. So mm-hmm. two seventeen oh one. You kinda wish it was either two seventeen flat or two sixteen fifty nine, but I digress. Mm-hmm. You feel like they could have rounded that down to two seventeen flat. No one would have noticed. Gotta lean there at the line. She's she's had some memorable races themselves. These weren't just victories, but I remember some of those New York performances she went out incredibly fast and just laid down a marker on a tough course and held on you know, during this era 
of the marathon, which has been just incredibly quick, right? We're going on now basically 10 years of just one upsmanship, one, one, you know, one after the other, after the other of this time dropping, 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 dropping. And it's, if you take a step back, Gordon, you definitely have people who were one race wonders who ran all time performances. And you look at them and you think, well, man, at the time we thought that person could have been an all time great because they posted this crazy time. You know, maybe they got second or third in a Kipchoge race and they ran a really quick time. But then the years go by and you realize, well, they didn't have the sustained level of success as somebody else. So they had that one race. That's great. They'll be in the all time list. But surely enough, you know, other people will pass them. People like Katani um, left their mark in this era because not only did they run fast, but they just won so many times and they were consistent in a race where it's so hard to be consistent, right? Because it's not, everybody seems to be running fast now. You look at the world records and you look just at the, the depth of performance, everything's dropping. The, the challenge is doing it for a long time and doing it in races where it results in wins. And, and she obviously did that, which is why she's going to, like her career is going to hold up you know, for this generation, for the next generation, like we're still gonna be talking about Mary Katani is having one of the best careers ever in the marathon. Did uh, Katani ever run like Berlin or Chicago or Boston? She was mainly a, uh, she, she mainly York went London, back to, right? New York, London was her main, main combo. I could look up, see if she's got any other results from those other, I mean, she was fourth at the, Olympics in in 2012, I remember that they didn't name her to another Olympic team, but m mostly so, she was known for those two those two cities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking at this, so you have her seven victories, but she has two more runner ups, two more top threes, and then two more top fives. Um, but looking at her career, right, it, it spans from like in the marathon from 2010 to 2019. Mm -hmm. She was basically exclusively going from London to New York, back to London yeah. to New York, New York, New York. And you see a lot of these athletes kind of pick and choose like, this is my spring marathon. This is my fall marathon. Yeah. I ain't leave it. And I think a lot of the reasons why is once you win one, they want to keep you. So they give you a lot of money to stay, you know, mm -hmm. and that's why we haven't seen someone like Galen Rupp do New York City because he's like, well, Chicago got me. I'm sticking with Chicago. Yeah. Berlin, sorry, sorry, I want to run in America. So do you think there should be like a a new, a better way to get these athletes to not be so tied down to two marathons of the six majors? Mm -hmm. Like a cap, you can only win it three times and then you got to move on to another marathon? Yeah, I don't know. Like, just like it, maybe you can't do one back-to-back. -back. You have to, you have to do... Mm -hmm four before you do go back to repeat, you know? It, it would be interesting because they have entered into this agreement. They're under this umbrella world marathon majors. Now each of them operates independently. They have different sponsors, different race directors, but I like the idea that was floated maybe 10 years ago now, basically when you had, especially for the spring, when you had Boston and London, make it all the women are in Boston this year, the men are in London this year, and then you flip it the next year. So that way you're getting no diluted fields. All the best in the world are running.
for one gender at each marathon and then you would switch it It'd be a little more difficult in the fall because you got berlin and you have chicago and you have new york and then you also have um you also have tokyo hanging out there as well too but the one thing i think about with with katani's career is i wish she had one last race i wish she had a a chance for a proper send-off because she had this uh you know, this injury that came up. So she got to run again in 2019 where she got fifth in London. Then she went on and, and ran in New York, but she never really got the, uh, the true proper send off. We're losing Gordon here on the other side. So just to re reiterate that point, we never got, we never got Katani just fully in her, um, Hey, this is my last race. I'm, I'm saying goodbye to the sport. And that's what happens when you have injuries, right? Injuries are going to dictate, um, the timetable more than you'd like. You don't want to say goodbye on somebody else's terms, um, on on and, uh, terms of an injury. Excuse me, but you have to uh, you have to listen to your body at that point. So, kind of a kind of a surprise to 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 see the news because I did think we'd get at least one more. But you know, her career has been has been sensational. So, Mary Katani, Gordon, you're back. I'm back. Sorry. How to get the door. There's a man coming into our house today to fix our hardwood floors. There you go. How to get the door. There you go. All right. Well, we'll yeah, move Mary on Katani, now. Mary Katani, great legend. There you go. Uh, we'll move on now to, <laughs> to, to, to Berlin, which is this weekend, Sunday. It's the first world marathon, a major of the fall. And by fall, I mean basically all of 2021 because they're all going to be packed in tight to this schedule. The story here is Kennedy Sabakela. He's the biggest name in the men's and the women's field. His last completed marathon came in Berlin when he ran the 201-41. Remember, just missed the world record there. He's 39 years old now, though. Didn't get selected for the Ethiopian team. He's kind of hard to figure out, right, because of all the DNFs, all the DNSs. I think it was David Monty who had that great stat where his completion percentage is basically 50% in terms of races that he says he's going to, to run and then races that he completes. He's going to do the New York Berlin double. That's his goal. Do you think Gordon, he's got, I mean, he's a big favorite here. Adola has the second fastest time, but it's been a couple of years since he's put out a, a performance near that level. Ilya Kiptanui. I mean, I don't think most people would, would put him in Bekele's league if the two were anywhere close to their best. Do you see Bekele as having one last little push here or is it, are his best, is his best marathon performance like way in the rearview mirror at this point? I mean, you started off the segment with, with the stat line that I think is the most important is he's 39, right? Like mm -hmm. it gets harder and harder as you get older and older. Um, it's, last time i mean he ran like a, a good marathon was 2019 but when you look at it again you're like wait 2019 wasn't last year we had a whole pandemic in between it's been two years right so you have to think i mean it's this is one of those things in sports right where it's always hard to kind of predict when like father time actually matters right you always think mm -hmm. age all oh, age you're not ready and then they still go on or like you think they're fine and then all of a sudden they're off a cliff right yeah like yeah. either are tom brady and you're gonna be good till you're 50 
or you are, you know, I'm trying to think of an athlete who kind of fell off the cliff as soon as they got old. Um, Albert Pujols, who's just like sucks now for the past five years because he's old. Um, I think, so it's hard to always predict because they could go one way or the other. I think with Bekele, I mean, the one advantage he does have is that while he is old, it's not like he's being overrun, right? You run the marathon, you're not, you're not like killing your body mm-hmm. so much throughout an entire year. You know, you can take, you know, you have segments of training and then you kind of have down segments and like hard segments. So you're able to kind of preserve your, your best for certain moments. Like you kind of can like right. bundle up all that energy to one race and save it all up for another one. So I think he's going to be competitive. The idea that he's going to break the world record, I think is just kind of crazy to think. Cause I think mm-hmm. a 39 year old being the fastest person to ever do it just doesn't make sense in my brain. I don't yeah. know about you, but like, yeah, I think it's going to be like a 30 year old someone in their prime, but Hey, I'm always proven wrong in mm-hmm. multiple ways. So I could see it. Why not? But I also could see him really not being the 201 guy that we think he is and being more of like a, a competitive 204, 205 with the rest of the field kind of coming in, to kind of challenge him. Yeah. But the 201 was such a shock. He got all this hype going into every single marathon because of what he had done on the track. And he'd run a 203 low, but he had just as many scratches or dnfs as he had great performances and so the 201 made people think okay well why would i ever doubt this guy look at how fast he was on the track look at how many gold medals he has but the point in terms of his consistency remains the same which makes you appreciate what kipchoge does even more put aside the prs he hasn't dnf'd in a marathon right he hasn't scratched a marathon since he's since he started and Bikele, even look at last year in London, right? We all were hyped for Bekele, Kipchoge. He's there. He does the press conference. And then day before, hours before, he's gone. And that's just, and, and the reaction to that was, okay, that makes sense. Because we become accustomed to that. The thing, with, the thing with Bekele is if he starts the race, you feel pretty good. And then every mile that passes, you're like, all right, all right, all right. He's, he seems like the type of runner who's, unless he's 100% prepped, he's not going to run the race. And unless he's 100% in the race, feeling good about where he's going to finish, he's not going to finish the race. So this would be a weird thing to, to try to predict. Hey, if he finishes, it's going to be a great time. But he also, there's a huge probability he may not finish or heck, he may not even start. So he's entertaining in that, in that perspective. Just like guessing what sort of shape he's going to be in is, I think, tells you 95% about, about his, his potential uh, time on that day. But I, I agree with you. I mean, running faster than he would in 2019, where he had at least a little bit better of a buildup and he was two years younger, would be, would be shocking. With all of his DNSs and DNFs, I wonder what his contract, appearance fee contract language is like. Like how he... If he, do you think he gets any type of money when he DNSs or DNFs? Probably more when you DNF because you DNF, actually yeah, up. yeah. But yeah. like a DNS, do you think all of his appearance fee is just waived? I mean, maybe there's a little like six point font at the bottom of the contract that just says all sorts of stuff that gets him gets him some money. Because a lot of times, like in London, he shows up, he's there, he's ready to go, he does the press conference, he helps hype the race, maybe gets a exactly. percentage. 
maybe there's a DNF clause, like however many days out you scratch from the race, like you get you get a little extra money if you wait until the hours before. It, it, it's more frustrating from a fan's perspective. You'd rather have a person drop out two weeks before than two hours before, but it builds hype in the race and then you get to the race day and you, it's like, oh, he's not on the start line. Well, I'm already watching. I might as well. I might as well watch. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's 100% frustrating. Um, maybe someone will emerge on the women's side. The women's field is not as, you know, even the men's field is not that laden with stars. It's it's the it's the Bekele show here on on the men's side. So that's the main thing to watch for in Berlin. We can pull up the women's entries real quick if we can. Do we have those down there? Yeah. So see, so you see we have a one sub 220 there from uh, Hiwat, Gabri Kaden, and then three women at, at, at 220. So maybe someone will emerge here. The course is fast. Perhaps we could see a, a quick time. But um, all eyes will be on Kennedy Sibikele, as has been the tradition for the past several years now in the marathon. And if you live in Canada, UK, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, you can watch this race live on FlowTrack at 3 a.m. Yeah. Central Time. But if you're on European time, it's a lot normal. So people <laughs> in the UK and Ireland, it's going to be a normal viewing time experience because it'll just be morning. So, Also, uh, more track, uh, Great Manchester Run, Gordon, is live on yeah. Live on FlowTrack. Uh, you have Eilish McCaughan in there. Mark Scott will be back to try to do the Great North Run, Great Manchester Run double. The Great Double. Pretty historic. The Great Double Run. Uh, there you go. The Great Double Double. Uh, uh, Nagi, Abdi Nagi, um, who was a silver medalist in the Tokyo Olympics, will be in there as well. So that is the Great Manchester Run is 10 kilometers. 10 kilometers. So you'd think Mark Scott We'll do even better at this. If he, yeah. he does well in the half marathon, he'll do even better. So that's on Sunday as well. Where's that? Can we pull that up? Where's that available in? Or do you know, Gordon, off the top of your head? Oh, that's available in the US, Canada, and Australia. There you go. There you go. And that starts at eleven fifteen AM local time in the UK, middle of the night here in the United States. Not that's really, actually. Man. It's more six AM. It's six AM because it's a later start. They start around oh, 11. Oh, 6 a.m.? Oh. So it'll be 6 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. My mind kind of defaults to Pacific time because that's where I spent most of my life. So I just assume if things are in Europe, it's in the middle of the night. But Central time, get those two extra hours, zero between 4 and 6. Huge, huge, Gordon. Huge. Massive difference between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. Some say it's an even bigger difference between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. Because 3 a.m. to me is middle of the night. 5 a.m. is like, I've woken up a lot at 5 a.m. Would you say the difference? As as a dad, do you think the difference between four a.m. and six a.m. is like the dramatic difference between a four year old and a six year old? Ooh, that's a good. Ask me that tomorrow because I'll have a six year old tomorrow. Today I have a five year and three hundred sixty four day year old. His birthday's tomorrow, so I'll be able to comment with more authority tomorrow. I've never had a six year old. Okay. Yet. Yet. But tomorrow I will. Okay. Tomorrow. Let's move on. Yep. Yep. The old uh, September 23rd. Yep. I got that right. Don't want to get my son's birthday wrong on the show. Got it correct. Let's keep it moving here. 
uh, he's a big fan. He watches on YouTube, uh, Pokemon and the Flowtrack podcast and the NCAA press conference show. His three favorite things to check out. Big three. Um, oh, Shalane Flanagan. Gordon, Shalane Flanagan is retired, but she's going to be doing a lot of running this fall. Her plan is to run six marathons over the course of seven weeks. Five of them are marathon majors. Berlin on September 26th, London October 3rd, Chicago October 10th, Boston October 11th, New York City November the 7th. She had Tokyo in there. Tokyo got canceled. So it's supposed to be six and seven weeks. She said she's looking for a replacement. She wants to run under three hours. We all deal with retirement differently. Some of us take it easy. But other people like Shalane Flanagan actually race more in retirement than they did when they're competing. My quads are aching just thinking about this. So a couple of questions. Like, what do you think inspired, I mean, inspired her to want to do this in the first place? I mean, I'm assuming there's some Nike connection, like her sponsorship is encouraging her and all that. But, you know. So there's this What do you think? It's, she's like, wakes up one day and is like, I want to do them all. Like, what do you think? motivates her to like be like i need to do all these at once maybe because i'm sensing a pattern here with a couple other people who are retired or or at the end of their career and i'm thinking ryan hall when ryan hall decided to run seven marathons on seven continents in seven days and then that was the end of his career and even though des des linden is still active when she ran the 50k race it seems like when you get late on your career or get to end of your career, you want to sort of break out of the constraints of the traditional schedule. And you've always, if you're a marathoner, you've always been like spring and then fall and then spring in the fall. Maybe it just feels good to be like, hey, I'm going to throw caution to wind. Who says I can't run marathons on back-to-back -back days, which is what Flanagan's trying to do. Uh, Hall was a little bit more extreme because when you're going and doing seven in seven days on seven continents, the travel alone will will really take a lot out of you. But I think to answer your question, I think part of the motivation is just to see what's possible in a different area of the sport. Because this is not something that was ever measured for her during her career. It was all about wins and fast times. This is more about, hey, let's just pile up these races. Let's see how, how much I can push my body over these, these couple months. Yeah, also add to that list, Des Linden also did that month-long marathon challenge where she ran a mile yeah. the first day, two <laughs> miles the second day, three miles the third day, and so long all the way up to 26 miles on the 26th day. So yeah, there's something about like doing these extreme challenges. I mean, it reminds me of uh, Eddie Izzard. Have you heard about what he did? Where the, the marathons? So Eddie, Eddie Izzard, a uh, famous comedian, ran 29 marathons in 29 days. But like, it's not, but like, this is like yeah. beyond. So he does, does it all the time. 2009, it was 43 marathons in 51 days. In 2016, 27 and 27 days. In 2020, it was 29 and 29 days. Another time it's been 32 marathons in 31 days. Jeez. So, doing it for charity. But. Yeah. And listen, you probably get more people paying attention to whatever it is you're doing with some of these extreme 
challenges versus, hey, I'm going to – like if if Shalane Flanagan said, I'm coming back and I'm going to try to run under 230 or 225 in Chicago, we'd all be like, whoa, emergency pod, let's go. But most people, you know, who aren't aware of times and her stature would be like, okay, cool. But then when you throw out the headline of, oh, we're going to have – uh, all the marathon majors in seven weeks, and she's going to run Boston and Chicago, Chicago and Boston. Excuse me. Don't go to Boston first. There won't be a race that day, and it'll screw up your entire plan, Shalane. Do not do that. <laughs> um, it just it just grabs more. T- it just grabs people's attention because just the the sheer audacity of it. The sheer, you know, people think, well, man, I can I can't run one marathon. She's going to run two in back to back days. Like it, it, I think it hooks people in in a way that just running one marathon really really quickly doesn't i mean the goal is sub three in all these i think it's clear that the biggest challenge will be that boston marathon day tokyo was going to be that same week so it was going to go um chicago then the next day boston and the following weekend tokyo which would have been tough too with all the, the travel but that's been canceled so she said she's looking for a sixth one so she's not giving herself any outs she's like i said i was gonna do six and seven i'm doing six and seven even though one was canceled so hey if you're a a small city marathon that wants to get some buzz like you should have your uh if and you're in late october or mid-october you should be reaching out to shalane flanagan and say hey we can be what marathon uh five of six for you in your challenge yeah i mean there's amsterdam paris rotterdam and she could be really crazy and do stockholm which is on the saturday before chicago so she could go Stockholm, <laughs> fly to Chicago, do Chicago on Sunday, fly to Boston, do Boston on a Monday. Oh. So what do you think she runs the Boston Marathon in? Coming off of assuming a, a 250-ish marathon in Chicago. Yeah, that's going to be hard. She, she loves Boston, right? It's her home. She always had a deep connection to that race. That'll be the biggest challenge. I, you know, hopefully the weather cooperates for her. I think she'll, she'll slide under. I think she's going to be real smart. Like in Chicago, she's going to treat that basically like a prelim round of a 1500. She's just going to cruise through, get the, get, get the big Q, qualify through, and move on. I'll say uh, two, Boston 257. And then I was thinking, like, she hasn't been training, right? For the past, when's the last race been? Uh, 18. Oh, I'm guessing. 18. She, she's. Well, she hasn't been racing, but I'm sure she's been training. She's been yeah. running. She runs with the people, the athletes she coaches. I'm sure. But like, it's just a, di- it's a different type of training now. Yeah. Basically, has she been running a whole bunch of miles? Doesn't need to be doing much speed at all because she's just trying to break three. But has she just been running a whole bunch of miles? That's the question. Like, yeah. I'm sure, and the answer is yes. Like you think she's been doing like 80 mile weeks? Well, she's about to do a 52-mile two-day, so I'd hope she's doing at least 80-mile weeks. Yes. I think, I think she's been running mileage-wise probably pretty, pretty high. And, like, if you have a 221 PB, which she does, and just recent, as recently as a couple years ago, she was running mid-220s, how much is it really taken out of you to run a 259 marathon on a fast course? So, for example, Birdland. Right, she's run Berlin before in 221. 
she's got to be obviously you can't take the distance for granted you got to be in in some kind of shape out there but she could be way scaled down and still cruise through i think i guess so we'll see i'm excited Dude, what's gonna be, be cool what's gonna be awesome what's gonna be awesome is you're gonna look at her her results page her tears to pie page 2019 is gonna say nothing 2020 is gonna say nothing the first half of 2021 is gonna say nothing and then the back half of 2021 there's gonna be like six results it's gonna be really weird she's like oh she's am, back. I, the only, am I the only one who thinks about that uh anthony J commented on youtube uh would have thought that was too much stress on the body but hey what do i know well, here's the other yeah. part of it. You're asking why do people do this after? Well, they aren't. They don't want to do it, but during is the risk, right? Because there is a risk that that yeah. happens. But say she gets halfway through and she has an injury, right? She still went for it. She still tried. Yeah. There's not. There's not an Olympic team yeah, hanging in the balance. Yeah. yeah. There's not um, a bunch of money that she's losing out on. It's a and she'll be she'll be fine. She can recover back and try to do something different in, in 2022. It's just, I think people that are that competitive and that good want to know, want to pursue their own limits. And they've probably, you know, she used a Ryan Hall example, like he, he pursued his, the limit of how fast he could go in the marathon plenty, plenty and pursued how fast she could go in the marathon plenty, but she never got to test herself in this way. And that's what, that's what this is. This is about. Because I can also, see, okay, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run a whole bunch of marathons, but back to back is crazy, just crazy. Also, think about this: how many young female American women out there, female American women, repeating myself, who kind of idolized Shalane Flanagan when they were kids, or when they were in high school or college or whatever, and now they're like, you know, running marathons, are yeah. gonna be able to say, "Hey, I beat Shalane Flanagan." the Chicago Marathon, or hey, I beat Shalane Flanagan at the Boston Marathon or the New York City Marathon, because ah. she's gonna, she's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of women out there who are gonna be able to say they beat Shalane Flanagan, because she's gonna go out there and run like 255. You know, there's a lot yeah. of women out there who run two, in the 240s. So uh, it's gonna be like an interesting I'm, thing that people, women will have. I'm thinking of one in particular, who's gonna get her coming off of the second day of her double. Yeah, right? in Boston? Boston Marathon women, they're going to have a lot of... Up, yeah. They're going up against you, a, a week in Shalane, right? They you know like, it's time to get her. <laughs> Jojo, you got to get that win. You got to get that win. Did I ever tell you head my... Head uh, results. Want to know. Did I ever tell you my, my story of... This is kind of similar, uh, but it was an even bigger L that I took against Lauren Fleshman. No. I was, oh, I was, I was running a road race in Santa Monica, and the 5K was before the 10K. I ran the 10K. Fleshman won the 5K, obviously, and then jumped in the 10K just to do a tempo run, like right after. Like the finish line was like right there. And then I look around. I'm like, wait a minute. She just was running. Why is she in this thing? And she torched me in the last two miles. Did you like try to stick on her shoulder the entire time? You're like, I'm going to get you. I tried. Yeah, I was trying to beat everybody, and it was uh, not going to happen for me of the last couple miles. But she was just running. It was it was purely like tempo. You could tell like she was de definitely not going for it the way she was in the five k. It was like the race and then the post race workout, but the post race workout just happened to be in this road race, which was weird because right because usually road races like they all leave kind of at the same time and then go. So it was just weird that she she popped over and torched most of us. Um, so I might say maybe Flanagan. 
planning to do something different or do something similar. Yeah. My story like that, I might have told this on the pod. I don't know. We've, we've done 350 this, of these things. But the Manzano story? Yeah, Manzano. In college, I was in a DMR. I was the 800-meter leg going into my last lap indoors. However, Texas was going into their first lap of the 1600 leg. And so I was running my final 200 and Leo Manzano was running his first 200 of his 16. And yeah. he wanted to pass me and I did not let him pass me. I held on. I ran that 29 second final 200 to not let Leo Manzano pass me. And I felt like I achieved something. And then I realized, well, he's just going to keep that pace going for another <laughs> seven laps. And I was dead. So. And that was that. All right. Two more stories. Uh, we're going to, well, we'll do Bolt and Shikari and then we'll do, uh, emails. By the way, we got an email mid show about Cougars v. Wolves. Which we'll read nice. That's someone who's quick on the trigger to, to get the email sent off there. All right. So there's this New York post story where they had an interview with Usain Bolt talking about Shikari Richardson. And basically the headline is a bit misleading because he does say train more. But as you can see, the quotation marks don't extend to and talk less. That was sort of added there, right? So Usain Bolt's advice for Shakira Richardson, talk less, train harder. He didn't put those two things. If you look at the actual quotes here, zoom in on that third paragraph, fourth paragraph there, Travis. Says, I would tell Shikari uh, to train harder and to be focused and not say too much. If you talk that big talk, you have to back it up. So just train hard and focus on that and try to come back do it and then talk about it. So he didn't, he didn't actually use the phrase train harder, talk less. So I want to clarify that point, but I didn't want to bring up two things. Number one, Gordon, it was just a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was a week ago when Bolt was quoted saying she brings spice to track and field. So I, I don't know what changed from Bolt's opinion. He went to be like, Hey, this is amazing. This is great for the sport uh, to now giving advice Two. And I know that it wasn't the direct quote here, but the whole idea of train more, talk less has always been funny to me in any sport, right? You have 24 hours in a day. Let's say you sleep for 10 of them because you're an elite athlete. You got, that's 14. Say you train for five of them. That leaves you nine hours to talk <laughs> all you want. You can be tweeting so much in nine hours. The idea that you can't do both, the idea that somehow giving an interview or posting on social media is somehow inhibiting your ability to train. Like, ah, I was going to do an extra set of 200s, but I got to go check my Instagram comments. So I'm not going to do those today. I always thought that was silly that people thought that way in sports. You can say, hey, shouldn't talk at all because you're going to motivate your competitors. All right. I disagree with that. But you can have that opinion. But the idea that there's this binary choice between you can either talk trash or train and you can't do both is, is comical to me. Yeah, I mean, the idea that you shouldn't talk too, that you should only train is why the sport isn't as popular because if no one is talking and everyone is just busy training in a black box with no one around and no one to yeah. see, what are we doing here? What what type of sport is this? Like, we want to see people, we want to see people win. We want to see people lose. We want to see people up, uh, overachieve. We want to see people underachieve because... People flop, people upset. It's all part of watching competition. So I was just thinking about this. What if this is my galaxy brain hat, putting on my galaxy brain hat right now. Mm -hmm. 
what if this whole post Olympics that Shakari has been doing with, you know, getting dead last and pre still talking all of her shit going on in Europe and not running well there, still talking shit. Meanwhile, the Jamaicans are just kind of laughing it up. He's like, they finally got their moment to kind of shut her up quote, because they beat her head to head. And obviously what Elaine and Shelly Ann and Sharika are doing is amazing. What if Shikari actually secretly is in good shape and is running ability to run a 10-7 in a 10-6 in a perfect situation? And she is just sat sandbagging the 2021, mm. uh, 2021 Diamond League season because she recognized, hey, winning these races means shit. I'm still going to be like valuable, famous, regardless if I win or lose. So if I lose, that's going to give the Jamaicans a thought that I don't have it anymore. And that in 2022, they're going to come in a little underrating me because they're going to think, well, she sucks now because we beat her in pre. So therefore, when she's back in Eugene and back racing them, she's going to catch them by surprise and beat them. She's like, you know, kind of doing a little rope-a-dope, you know? It's like mm. that meme of that old man uh, who is getting like hijacked at the car. And he's like, oh, oh, I'm hurt. Uh, and then he pulls up a gun and, and points it at the person. Not today. I feel like maybe Shikari wow. is pulling a little not today where she's having a shitty 2021 summer to kind of surprise the competition in 2022. Thoughts? That's Gordon's galaxy brain take of the day. We need to get you a special like shirt or like a hat or something that you put on when you go with the galaxy brain take. Yeah, no, I don't think that's accurate at all. Here, here's what Bolt, here's what Bolt could have said or what you could have said. The reason she got beat was because she's running against two of the best of all time, and they're just better than her right now, right? Like that's that's the answer here. I know it's a no, lukewarm that's not take, the and it and it's not galaxy she got brain. Beat by that's true, 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 true. You're saying you're saying like she still should have gotten third in those races, and she was getting eight. Yeah. I get, I get that point. This is more, this is more a response to to what Bolt is saying, or to anybody out there who thinks because you tweet it makes you slower somehow. It doesn't. If you run against someone who runs ten fifty four, you're gonna get beat, unless you were Flojo at one race in the Olympic trials in in nineteen eighty eight. That's it. Like if you're running against Shelly and Fraser Price and Elaine Thompson Raw. It's not going to go very well in 2021. That's just been the reality of it. So it, I know it's not it's not a hot take. It's lukewarm at best. But you people can dissect all the different angles about why she ran what when. But I think that's the, the bottom line here. Did you watch this interview, by the way? The Bolt interview? No. It's a video interview? Okay. So there's a video interview uh, embedded on the top. It is uh, interesting, to say the least, because... The interviewer asks Bolt, if you were to recommend a playlist for Shikari, what would it be? What do you think Bolt says? What type of music do you think he recommends? Caribbean music? Oh, no. Does he no. Re recommend his song? Yeah, his album. Oh, his album. Oh, yeah. So it became very clear to me at this point why the interview was granted and the conditions of the interview. And hey. We've all been there before. Um, Great song. Because he, 
they basically she had to sh- the interviewer had to shoehorn in this question so he could plug his album. So then he starts talking about how she would like this song or or, or that song in in his album. Um, so he got the plug for for the record out there as well too. But I don't know why if you're interviewing like if I was like hey hey Gordon what's a uh, producer Colt what sort of music do you think we could get him to listen to to make him a better producer? Like, I don't think that was like, no one, no one's mind goes along that track. So did Shikari tweet any like response? Did she like react to this headline? I did not see any. And I know she has no basically limits. There's nobody off limits to her. But I think Bolt might be the one Maybe person. Bolt is that person who's off limits. Maybe there is. Maybe there is one person off limits and it would same bolt. And again, he wasn't being like, I, I actually, like I said, I actually watched the interview and he, he was, he was being typical bolt here where he was trying to be, uh, I want to say, I, I want to say, see both sides to everything. Right. I mean, bolt is like, a, I, I just think about bolt and in the interview, he mentions Gatlin talking a lot of crap, which is, I mean, Gatlin didn't really talk that much crap, but do you remember the last Bolt-Gatlin thing at the press conference where Bolt was, like, defending him, basically, in yeah. the press conference? Like, that's what I remember about Bolt. So he, I think he kind of tries to avoid conflict in most situations, and he was basically saying with her, like, hey, yeah, maybe she should talk less, and she's going to still get less grief and stuff, too. But, yeah, he did talk about Gatlin was always talking, which I don't, I mean, someone got, someone have to bring literally... up Gatlin literally bowed down to him after he beat him. Dude, this is what, so this is what I'm saying. This is what happened during the Bolt era. I, I said this, I think, on a previous pod. So I apologize if I'm, someone knocking on this door. Um, I apologize if I'm, I'm repeating myself. But basically what would happen is the U.S. men would run fast at trials or at USA's. A reporter would ask, you ready to take on the Jamaicans and Usain Bolt? And the Americans would respond, whoever it was, would be like, yeah, we're not, we're not afraid of anybody. And then the headline would be, Americans not afraid of Bolt. And then Bolt would say, oh, really? Why aren't you afraid of me? I'm the world record holder. I got all these gold medals. But it's completely manufactured. Nobody ever thought Bolt. The only time Bolt was under pressure was 15, when Gatlin was having that amazing season. And to Bolt's credit, he pulled it out. And then obviously, that last championship there in 17. But no other time were people questioning Bolt. Because there's, there's just a level you can't talk trash to somebody who's that much better than you and that much of an icon in the sport. It just falls flat. So yeah, literally people are bowing down to him. Should we get into some uh, emails? Yeah, I think there was one other. I forgot what else I was going to do. Oh, he says, speaking of not wanting to be controversial, they asked him about the, the marijuana rule. And he's like, it's not my place to say. And I thought, you know what? You're retired, man. You can you can have an opinion on this. You're not alienating anybody. And then he went into the rules are rules thing. And I was like, man, if Gordon heard you say rules are rules, he's saying he would be uh, he would be very disappointed with you. I just thought it was. I, he clearly has an opinion about it. So when he says, I don't I don't really want to say, and you just need to follow the rules. I think uh, I think he wasn't being entirely forthcoming, but. I think he's been conditioned to to just kind of stay middle of the road on it. No comment. Like yeah, just kind of be like, yeah. Be but I mean, you're retired. 
what do you think? Okay, if you pulled, this is the last thing, and then we'll get off. If you pulled athletes, do you think marijuana should be on the ban list? Even if they don't use it or don't use it, is regardless. What percent did you do you think would be in favor of keeping it versus not keeping it? I mean, I think people in favor of keeping it would be like five percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think general most, public most athletes don't care. Yeah, I think general public similar. would be like twenty percent tops, maybe fifteen or something. Well, general public, there'll be people who just don't understand. They'll be like, oh, I feel like it's a bad thing, you know? Yeah. But I feel like the athletes would recognize, like, I know what the bad stuff is. It's called HGH. It's called testosterone. Yeah. It's yeah. called blood. So it's not my, a doobie. My, <laughs> All right, Grandpa. So ba basically what, what I'm saying is he didn't really risk alienating anybody. He should have been like, yeah. She should have followed the rule, but the rule should be changed. It's ridiculous that marijuana is is banned because it would be. I think it would be really strange for him not to have that opinion. Like I don't think there's many athletes, as you said, maybe five percent of athletes out there who are like, "I'm gonna really put my flag in the ground. Marijuana should be banned. We need to clean up the sport, and my cause is marijuana. Get it out of the sport. It's causing issues. Can't have it. Reefer madness. All right. Email uh, flowtrack podcast at gmail.com is email. This is from Wayne, 43 minutes ago. Gordon, the answer is that cougars are cats and wolves are dogs. Game over. Ooh, that is a good point. Dogs are better than cats. That's what science says, right? I agree, which is making me However, my, my I think a chihuahua, chihuahua versus a lion. Even though the Chihuahua's a dog, I think that lion wins that. <laughs> can we get a tail of the tape? How much can a cougar bench, do you think? Like, assuming it could lay on its back. How much do you think a cougar could bench? Yeah. First of all, just the visual of seeing a, an animal benching would be, be hilarious. Yeah. That would be like a greatest circus a, act of all time. You can I train like a cougar, like could a cougar to bench. bench more. Yeah. Like, if there was a decathlon, Cougar versus wolf. Like, you're taking the cougar, right? Speed and power. Yeah, but, like, I'm telling you, it's just something, I think it's it's kind of like, I think a wolf is, like, a Christian Coleman, and a cougar is, like, an Usain Bolt. Mm -hmm. And that while, I mean, we know what happened there, right? So, Christian Coleman yeah. beat Usain Bolt in 2017. And then yeah. we're on the win twenty. Case closed. Case, Case closed. closed. We know that that really answered the question of who's the best winner of all time. That was the only championship <laughs> that ever existed. Oh wow, this stat says the cats are actually more popular than dogs. That's interesting. All right. Well, I disagree on that one. And I think in a in in similar size like matchup, right? Obviously Lion versus Chihuahua, you, you brought up that, that's the extreme example. But if you have similar if you're going similar weight classes. I think I'd go dog dough too. Although cats are kind of cats, cats are uh, cats got a mean streak in them, you know. I'm gonna YouTube search cougar versus wolf. See what you come up with. There's there's a lot of content. Wolf versus cougar. Who would win in a fight? Well, this okay. image. It, it looks like the, the wolf looks a little scarier. Uh, Animal Planet did a thing 13 years ago. Called, 13 years ago. Okay, good. We're only behind Animal 13 years. <laughs> wow, this is 2008 YouTube, baby. On Animal yeah. Planet. How many views? And it has 
4 million views. It's only a three minute video. They're showing, and it's basically who would win a fight Cougar versus Wolf. And they're doing a whole right. thing. Uh, they're doing the stats. They're showing, but they never show. Okay. Oh, they're showing a digital uh, play by play. So the, the wolf attacks the cougar's back left leg first, then runs oh. away. Here, I'll send I'll send the link. Let's hold on. I'm send this to Travis. We got we got we got we gotta solve this. So Travis, uh go to like the two minute mark. So this is the BYU versus NC State we've been waiting to fi- discover, you know. So we'll let you, you remember Travis when post, uh post it on the screen. Do you remember when Chris Johnson raced a cheetah? Chris Johnson in the NFL. You mean, you mean National, Chad Ochoa? Oh, that's Chris, no, no, Chris Johnson. Chris, Chris Johnson. But he, he, won. he raced. Well, he raced him on the opposite side of a divider because they couldn't actually put a cheetah out there. So it was, uh, I wanted them on lined up on the starting line together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Travis has um, sent it to you. Let's see if he, he's, there you go. If you fast forward to the two minute mark, this is gonna be Whitney Orton versus Hannah Steelman, Coach Dilgit Taylor versus uh, Ellie um, Hennis. Lori Lori Hennis is uh, it's, it's taking time to load. Okay. Anyway, I'll I'll fast forward to the story. The long story short, I'm trying to see who won. They're still fighting. Is there a winner? Ooh, guess who the winner was? The winner was the Logan Cougar. Paul. No, Logan Paul didn't win. The Cougar won. Cougar defeated the Wolf. So, so you oh, see, wow. they do this little digital animation to like kind of see who okay. would win the fight. Wolf gets okay. the first attack. It's kind of wild that he runs hy- away. This is hypothetical, though. This is not a yeah. real fight. Okay, well, no, it's listen, not a real wolf- fight. It's Animal Planet. Yeah, yeah, but this is you don't you don't run races on paper and you don't have digital fights on paper. You got to line them up. They gotta get on the track next to each other. Yeah. See, but look, like, look at how thick, thick the cougar is. Like the arms and the, and the chest and stuff. Like, there's just more. It's just, it's just dense, man. Oh man. Okay. Don't show this. This is just not. Yeah, that's not appropriate. <laughs> it's, that's just. I'm gonna have nightmares. Um. Last email. Here we go. This is the email we wanted to read. We got five minutes to read this. This is from Ken. So he's talking about the Diamond League field event format. Right where you have the um, the jump off at the end. Everybody knows what that is, right? We're all caught up. Final three. Yeah, basically oh. through five rounds, they take the final three, and then the, the sixth round, whoever has the best jump in the sixth round is actually your winner. Right. So you could have a better jump overall, better mark, and then lose. He says, in my opinion, it seems ridiculous that a field event performer could set a world record on their first attempt but lose the competition with a foul on their sixth attempt. This new format seems to try to make final few attempts more dramatic for the TV audience. That is the goal. Then I suggest the following change to the format. So here's a change, Gordon. And you're a guy who likes to have tweaks and, and changes. So tell me what you think. Each okay. competitor will take four attempts. After the fourth round, only the top three will continue to the fifth round with prior marks carrying through. The final three will be reordered from third place to first place. After the fifth round, the third place finisher is determined and only the top two advance to the sixth round. If the placements haven't changed, they're reordered with second place going first in the sixth round. If the second place competitor doesn't surpass the first place competitor, the event is over. If second place moves into the first position after the final attempt, the former first gets one last attempt to capture the event. 
If the second place athlete doesn't surpass the first place holder on the last attempt, the winner can pass or take one last attempt. This should provide TV broadcasts with the same level of drama as the current stupid format, but with all the marks from the first to the uh, last round counting towards the final placements. What do you think, Gordon? So basically it's the same as the original format of where you just get the six best marks, but we are just eliminating people from having opportunities to compete in the fifth and sixth round. Right, because he's saying if you want to build up the drama, re reorder it that way. Reorder it so then they have fewer people. But the thing guess... is here is that if you have a really good jump at the first round, you, you just still pass because you know no one's going to pass you. Yeah. There's no drama. Yeah. Is that the goal of this? Is to prevent passing and to ensure that the best people jump in the last round? Is that it? No, I think that they want... I mean, what people what want is they, they trying want to the solve? person with the they want the person with the best mark to win. That's what the that's the whole thing, right? That's what it comes down to. No, no, no. World. I'm saying, what does World Athletics want? Because they clearly don't want that because they're having people win who don't have the World best Athletics mark. want doesn't like it when you see a guaranteed winner like doing like not having to try because they know yeah. you know there was no like risk in them losing. You know. They don't like they don't like seeing blowouts and jumps, where like mm. there's no need to like they don't like when like Ryan Krauser can throw twenty three meters in the first round and then basically we know why are we having this competition now because we know no one else is going to throw twenty three meters. I think they also Game's like over. I think they also like being able to cut to long jump for two minutes and show that last jump off and that's it. Yeah. Right. And then theoretically, you don't need to see anything before that because nothing matters before that. All yeah. you need to see is last jump. It's just tough when there's fat, like fouls are such a prevalent part of jumping. And the whole idea is, okay, you get a lot of attempts. You just got to get one clean. And then you go down to one attempt and the chance of fouling are, are pretty, pretty high or just having a bad jump at that point. I told you I don't my know idea. How you do... Remind us During one more time. Turn the long jump. Oh yeah, yeah. And the triple jump into the way you and the shot put for that matter into the way you do the high jump and pole vault. You just have a mark. You gotta jump over it, and you move on to the next round. And you what if keep you foul? Jumping. You have three. You have a. Uh, you have two attempts to jump over the mark. Uh -huh. I suppose you jump pretty safe on the early jumps. Get over. Yeah, it. you like save it. You're like getting your steps down the first few jumps, but like. And but you still record what they jump if they jump like a meter if they jump a foot over yeah. the line you still record it for record purposes but for you know I think you could if you're gonna do this elimination thing just do it from the beginning have a bracket yeah. and jump off from the beginning and go one on one like you have eight people seed them based on season best marks one verse eight two verse seven three for six four over five then advance out that way. I mean, it would totally change the, the competition. But this is this is not – it's enough of a change to piss people off, but it's not enough of a change to, to alter your your interest level in the event, really. What 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 flaw do you see in me of them treating the long jump the same way they treat the high jump in the pole vault, where you have a mark, you got to jump over it, move on. Mark, and now everyone who jumped over the next mark moves on. I guess it would depend on – how frequently your 
eliminating people? Like how, like what sort of interval the mark is set at? You do like a 10 centimeters, I guess. I don't know. Well, you, you'd figure it out what like, you'd want to make it so on average, it take, there's like six rounds, I mean, right? I mean, the, how do the they problem with it, pull ball height, you know? The, the the problem with it is the same problem that I think is legitimate problem kind of in pole vault, which is like, but you can't prevent it though in pole vault or high jump. But it's like, man, Mondo cleared the world record there, but he didn't because the bar wasn't high enough. Like you could have people, I guess if you're saying you measure the jump regardless, right? So that would be yeah. different. If you measure the jump regardless, you could still have world record jumps. Listen, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as bad of an idea as, or at least it's not that much worse than the current idea. I'd say try it. There you go. That's a t-shirt. It's not that much worse than the current idea. It's a t-shirt. Hey, that applies to a lot of things in my life right now. I, I'm I'm all for that. Um, yeah, I guess I'd need to see it like in in yeah in practice. It'd be fun. You know how in in the NBA they experiment with things in the in the G League and then try them out in the big league. It would be fun if there was a second or third tier circuit or something where they could try some of this stuff i guess there is there that does exist in track it would just be fun to see it in a, in a lower stakes competition first before they throw it like right into the diamond league because then once they do it in the diamond league everyone's like ah, i got this problem i got that problem i got this problem. like if you do it in a lower stakes competition you can see how it actually plays out and address some of the issues that, that come up like oh this is a, a flaw in the system or we would need to make this correction you don't want to do that when it's at the biggest stage, you want to do all that stuff when there's not as much attention on it and the, the stakes aren't as high. So, so I know like uh, the, the jumpers are upset about this. Yeah. But the jumper who was in third place going into the sixth round and then won. won there's never a story about mark. them. Do you yeah. think that person's upset? They're like, oh yeah, I'm upset I won this $10,000. Sorry. They're like, ah, no, the sanctity of the jumps. I could never... I think they would be everybody's happy when they win. Everybody's happy yeah. when they win. So I yeah, I don't I don't think uh I don't think I don't think that they Because uh, I think they've gotten used to doing it a certain way all those years. And I think they aren't that comfortable with it either. And it it to them it probably feels a bit random. They'll still take the ten grand and be like, Oh, well today it was great. But long term let's change it. Like and subscribe. Yeah. Follow the NCA Cross Country Show on Tuesdays every week. Kevin's going to yeah. start putting up some more content on YouTube as well. We're going to fill sure. your track and field, cross country, road running needs throughout the rest of the year so we get ready for mm -hmm. the road to Hayward, right? That's a new slogan. It was the road to Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Now it's the road to Hayward. We're starting that road. Mm -hmm. So Some people are saying. That's what people some people are, are saying. saying. Thanks to Colt. Thanks to Travis. Uh, Berlin Marathon on Sunday. We'll be back Friday with another edition of the Flow Track Podcast. Subscribe. Also, Gordon's show is on the Flow Track YouTube channel. You got to go to the Flow Track YouTube channel. So if you're not subscribed over there, subscribe to that one. And on the Flow Track Podcast YouTube channel. We will see you on Friday.